welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. We have big news this week. Like kind of a lot of it. Yes. We're going to try and break it up so you can take it all in and digest it. (laughs) Little at the beginning, little at the end. So stay tuned and listen all the way through. So the Indian Tangled Ticket winners have been notified. Hooray! Congratulations! It's super exciting. We're really psyched about going and seeing some of you there. It's going to be fun. So as part of that entry, folks had the chance to say what time of day they wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. We are going to be looking for people at India Untangled, but everybody was so all over the place. And I actually can't specifically remember if the folks who won were all at the same time. Anyway, we're going to be looking for you at India Untangled, but I think we'll do the meetup at Rhinebeck. Cool. But also, as a little aside, at this cool outdoor Indian Untangled space, there are the shopping tents, pavilions, beautiful sheltered areas. And then there's a big outdoor lounge space with food trucks and you have your scheduled shopping time, but you can be in that space kind of whenever you want. So definitely look for us. Come yeah. say hi to us. We had a meeting with the event organizer who does Indian Untangled. She's fantastic. We adore her. It's going to be a really fantastic event. It's going to feel a little different from previous India Untangled, mostly just because it's outside. But I think that's going to make it exciting. Yes, definitely. Can we tell you about the specific, exciting, newly planned event that's going to happen at India Untangled? We definitely should. We are going to be hosting in our outdoor lounge area a handmade swap. Think of this as like a little free library. Of hand knits. Right. So if you maybe knit too many things during lockdown or your body has changed or fashion has changed, bring that stuff. It's like take a hand knit, leave a hand knit, except no one's enforcing that you do either of those things if you do the other one. Yeah. It's very like laid back. Things that you are ready to let go out into the universe can go on the handmade swap table. People who are searching the universe for someone else's hand knits can find them at the handmade swap table. And there's kind of like no moderating or rules. No one's babysitting this table. So it is be a good neighbor to your fellow fiber friend kind of place. Yeah, if the sweater curse got you, be free of that situation, that energy, leave it on the table. Have one of those situations where you're like, I want to wear that sweater, but I don't want to make it. You might get lucky. Maybe you'll find it. And then Anything that either doesn't go to a new home or I think specifically hats and scarves and socks, we are going to be taking to donate to one of three local homeless service providers so that they will go to people who can really use them as we're heading into winter here in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. So you can take all of those things that you made from scratch (gasps) and make good with them (laughs) instead of letting them sit at home neglected and unseen. Let them get some use by someone who will appreciate them. So if you are either going to be joining us or you're just in a part of the world where the weather is either getting colder or warmer, depending on which hemisphere you're in, Mm -hmm. you are either packing away or retrieving from storage your winter hand knits. And today we're talking about all of the things you can do to take good care of those hand knits. So especially for you swap folks, if you're going to be bringing things to the swap, take note. 
you should get your hand knits ready before you pass them on to the next person. But here we go. We're talking about caring for your hand knits today. So there's not one blanket rule that applies to hand knits. Your cotton tank top doesn't necessarily need to be cared for in the same way that your wool socks do. Right? There are different (laughs) approaches. We're going to cover some categories of ways to care for hand knits. And it's up to you and your smart knitter brain to determine which types of care need to apply to your specific things in front of you. Erring on the side of safety, if you can't remember what you knit something out of, or maybe you picked it up at the swap and it's not labeled, or you don't know, just assume that you're going to need to hand wash rather than machine wash if you don't know otherwise. Other than a little bit of extra time, there's no downside to being more cautious than is technically required. Yeah, absolutely. Hand knits appreciate a little bit of love and gentle handling. Also swap related or knit gifts. If you're passing things on to anyone, it's always nice to like give the recipient a little bit of information. So if you know that this sweater or shawl also has mohair in it, like stick it on the tag. If there's special care instructions, make a little note so people know how to tend to your knit item and let it live its best life. Absolutely. And I think we're going to have little tags there on the table for the swap for people to write stuff on if you didn't have a chance to write one at home or whatever. But if you want to write a note and in some way pin it to the garment as you're getting ready. Sure. That's lovely and kind of you. How thoughtful. (laughs) So what are some of the things that you might want to have on hand in order to be ready to do this? Well, let's start with talking about washing hand knits. And this might be more of a crucial step if you are getting ready to put your knits away for the season than if you're taking them out. Although it's always nice to freshen things up if they've been in like a sealed Rubbermaid container for three months or six months or however long your seasons are. So this is dependent on your fibers, but your seasonal refreshing is the same as your general care for this item. So something you would do mid-season is the same thing that you would do now. If you've got kind of small, delicate hand knits and they're things that you can put in the washing machine, like they're cotton, but you're going to throw them in with your general ready-to-wear laundry and not wash them individually, or you've got hand knit socks that you put through the washing machine, I like to put those things in a lingerie bag. I don't always because I'm kind of lazy and not a great laundry person, (laughs) but like... (laughs) I find that lingerie bags are good at protecting them. So if you have one at home, that's great. You can use that if it's big enough. The lovely people at Soak make some different sizes and shapes of their eco-wash bag. There's like a smaller version and then like a bigger, more rotund version to put bigger projects into. I think they call it generous, which I think is a really funny way to think about the size of a bag. But absolutely. That's so cute. They're just cute. So cold water, gentle soaps, if you're using that in your washing machine, that's a good way to treat those. Also, you can just put them in the sink or the tub or a big mixing bowl wherever you like to soak your garments. It's a great way to get dirt. Anything that they've been soiled with, if you have a mystery stain, fingers crossed, it might come out (laughs) with a little bath and some soak. And it will just like freshen up the fibers and recondition them so it's like super soft and lovely to wear once it's been dried. Also the case for, you know, if you don't have specifically soak that's available to you, something like eucalyptus will be fantastic. Woolite, less fantastic. We've talked about that before. It's just a little harsh on actual hand knits. It's great for like 
gentle garments that aren't hand knits. But I think when eucalyn and soak and things like that were less available, a lot of folks would just, what would be available locally was like woolite at the grocery store or the drugstore or whatever. If you have another option, go with that other option. If you don't, it's better than tied. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all what we can do. So once you have washed and soaked, you're kind of going to treat it like you're just blocking it for the first time. Yeah, I think that's your best next step. Once your knits have been wet, I know we've told you this before, but don't hang them up. (laughs) No, don't hang them up. It's a mistake. Unless you want something to get really dramatically long, hanging is not your best drying solution for hand knits. That linen romper you sewed yourself in lockdown? Yeah, you can hang that out to dry and have a nice crispy romper to wear, but not your hand knits. They will be long and tunicky when maybe they were supposed to be short and cropped. And you'll be sad, so lay them flat to dry. (laughs) They'll also end up taking on the shape of the hanger. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants that. Or you'll have those little, like, boops from clothespins on the clotheslines. <laughs> yeah, you just don't want to look like you're still wearing a hanger or clothespins inside your clothes if you're not. If you are, I mean, go for it, I guess. Good on you. <laughs> you do you. <laughs> you don't have to be, like, overly precious about this, but as we've mentioned before, try and keep your laid flat to dry hand knits in a safe space. Right. So don't let the cat take a nap on it or do little kitty needs bread (laughs) on your beautiful lace shawl that you have carefully pinned out because then you'll be sad at your cat. Yeah. And at your shawl. So you could use blocking mats. You could use towels or cardboard boxes. I've seen those sweater drying pop-up mesh things, which depending on where you live may significantly speed up your drying time. After you've done this, or as you're doing this, you find that there are some areas that have some pilling. You can depill Things like where your arms have rubbed, where your bag has rubbed, something like that. We have in the store, we have something called a gleaner. I like those because they have interchangeable, I'm going to call them blades. They're not blades. They're like an emery board, kind yeah. of. Yeah. You can increase the coarseness of it depending on what kind of fiber you're depilling. And then they also have a lint brush on the other end to actually get it off of the sweater so you don't have to just brush it forever. But there's a bunch of different products like this. Don't go get an electric one. Again, for your hand knits, it might work great for something else. Those electric ones are scary. I can remember hanging out at my grandma's house when I was a kid and I loved going through all of her sewing stuff and playing with her crafty baskets of things. And she had one of those little depillers with the blades. And it was like a little fan. That thing would whir so fast it would like blow air at you. (laughs) And it had a tiny little screen that like screwed on and fit over the terrifying whirring blade. And I remember getting my finger caught in it once. It's scary. So it cuts things like it's actually a blade. Don't cut your sweater up. Right. So anytime you're depilling, you're kind of technically decreasing the thickness of the fiber. The process of pilling has kind of already done that. So if you're using a more gentle option, you're really just removing what friction has already done. Those little blade ones are going to, A, be very fast and very effective at getting the pills off of your garment, but they are also going to cut into the actual twist. It's more aggressive than what you need. Right. And it's going to be very smooth and maybe pill again faster after that. Don't be so intense about it. 
pilling is not that big a deal. Like it happens to the best of us, which is all of us. (laughs) That's one of those things I will frequently put on a sweater and be like, oh, this is starting to pill. And I literally never notice it on another person. Mm -mm. Do you remember we had that photographer come into the store to take pictures Mm -hmm. because we had old pictures of the store, which were great, but things have changed a lot. And I had my Kufel sweater. Such a good sweater. And I put it on and he, you know, he took a couple of like test pictures and then you could look at them and see how they were. And I was like, oh, wow, you can see that my sweater is pilled. And he was like, oh, really? Nobody cares. Nobody cares but you. Also, what kind of camera? (laughs) (laughs) I was, I haven't taken a picture with a camera that wasn't attached to a cell phone since 2015. I was not expecting to be able to see pilling. He had a fancy camera. Yeah. Picked up the pills. (laughs) Um, Okay, so what if you discover in all of this process that there's something that needs mending? Well, you might want to go listen to episode 23 because we've talked about fixing hand knits recently. But assess the damage and figure out what your course of action is. Because sometimes you have things like snags, hello dog owners, hello (laughs) knitwear models that take pictures in the forest with lots of twiggy (laughs) trees around them. Who knows, the screen door that catches your sleeve every time you walk through it. I find that I have particular things that I snag in the same place all the time. So sometimes all you need is like a crochet hook or a needle or something to grab that snag and work its way back through. Like you need a little patience. It's your moment of quiet with your sweater as you try to fix your sleeve. And sometimes there are holes that you need to stitch up, duplicate stitch, patch, get out your little darning loom or darning egg, you know, clean those things up so that your sweater doesn't continue to fall apart or whatever your garment is. You know, we always say sweater by default. And preventative repairs are great. And this is a good time to do it when you're kind of cleaning things up and depilling and like going over your garment to see what is what. If you have a spot that you're noticing is kind of threadbare because your super cute fanny pack always rubs your hip in a particular spot, reinforce it. Stick a patch on it before there's a big hole and before there is actual damage to contend with. Same with stains. If you have a stain that won't come out, you can always just mend over it. And then nobody knows if there's a hole or a stain. They don't know. They don't know what's under there. There could be nothing under there. You could just be a fancy (laughs) stitcher. That's right. And they will envy your skills and not know that you're a slob like me. Is that coffee? No, it's a flower. You know, over and over again, I say... We don't make mistakes. We have happy accidents. Can I share a tip as we're just thinking about unpacking or packing up hand knits that after we talked about this before, somebody sent in and I don't think I ever repeated on the podcast. I mentioned that I had some cedar sachets that are hanging up in my closet with my hand knits and they weren't really doing a whole lot because I've had them for like 10 years. And she mentioned that You just sand them down a little bit. Like you just sand them until you smell the smell again. And then also moths and stuff can smell the smell and it will do the thing. So if you are like engaging in sort of transitional clothing storage things, that might be something to keep in mind. You could give your little cedar sachet or cedar block a sand and make it more effective. That's a good idea. And feels like really obvious. And I don't know how I didn't think of something like that before. Right. Those little cedar blocks don't cease to be cedar when the outside layer is less fragrant than it used to be. Just needs a little scuff. (laughs) I'm imagining now that this is going to be kind of like soap. 
where at some point you get down to like the little slivers of soap and then you could make like Franken soap. You could have like Franken block of eight different little <laughs> tiny slivers of cedar that just can't be sanded anymore. But then when you put them together, they become powerful again. And tie them with twine with yarn. Yeah, put them, put them in a bag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what all the little bagged cedars are. The oh, cedar like block idea. people are like, here are shavings and splinters. Don't poke yourself. <laughs> I like that idea. Resourceful. So what's on your needles, Jessica? Kind of nothing. What? I'm in between projects. Fake. No, seriously. <laughs> I'm done with my cardigan. Maybe I need to knit a sweater for a kid? Maybe I need to knit my Rhinebeck sweater. Oh, no. It's time. Oof. <laughs> I have not planned for this. And now it's September. Yeah. What am I doing? Knit the sweater. I gotta pick the sweater. Pick the sweater, then knit the sweater. Yeah. Oh. What's on your needles? I'm a mess now. <laughs> I'm still working on my Cladonia. I love that sweater. I got to a couple rows that are three color color work. Mm -hmm. And kind of unfortunately for me, my knitting tends to move around a lot because it comes to the shop and back home. I had to take my knitting from the shop to back home in the middle of a three color color work row. And it's okay. I'm okay. I'm glad. The sweater's okay. And then I remembered that a friend had given me one of those color work management rings. Oh, that's right. And that's really nice. Because I'm a two-handed color work knitter, I feel very awkward like dropping one strand to pick up the other one. So anyway, I was really excited about that. Those things work great. We should probably get some in the store. Yeah, you don't have enough hands for the way you right. like to do color work. And the dog will not hold the yarn even when I ask nicely. Mm -mm. No, pumpkin says no. <laughs> Not surprisingly. Anyway, on that note, uh huh. are you ready for a letter? I am. So this letter comes to us from Roberta. Hey, Roberta. I am a fiber artist, formerly a sweater designer and hand-spun yarn producer. My question is, can you talk about ways to store your fibers to prevent wool moth damage or infestation? I currently store some fiber in plastic bags, some in pillow sack bags. All of my raw fiber and yarns get taken outside to a shed during a sub-zero stretch of winter temperatures. I use bits of cloth with eucalyptus oil on them as deterrents. All this works, but I'm curious about what's out there in the knit world for wool moth prevention resources. So I read that whole email because a bunch of the things she says are like really great ideas. Yeah, Roberta's on top of this. And I am going to answer this referencing both fiber and finished hand knits because it is a concern for all of us whether your wool has been turned into something finished or not at the point that it's in your house. So I know that we spend a lot of time joking about moths and doing scream queen screams and like <laughs> being very freaked out about this. But I want to take a step back from the general moth terror propaganda that we spew and give you some information. First of all, not all moths are your enemy, which is kind of news to some of us. <laughs> I know that everybody sees moths, and if you're a wool person, you're like, oh no, oh no, and like the mounting terror. 
But you don't have to freak out every time you see a moth. It's not stalking you. It's not waiting for you to turn your back so it can nibble on your shoulder. It's okay. It might be. It might just be a particularly unkind moth. It might be, but only if it's a particular type of moth. Oh. So there are really only two types of moths that want to eat your hand knits and your yarn and your fleeces and your wool carpet and your cashmere sweaters and all of your delicious animal fiber things. Mm -hmm. And those types of moths are called case-making clothes moth or the webbing clothes moth. I had never heard of either of these, but they are moths that come into your home to eat your things, and they are small. They're usually like a pale yellow or a pale gray, and they're pretty tiny. So if you see a moth in your house that's generally larger than a centimeter big, which is little, because what's a centimeter? Two and a half centimeters is an inch for non-metric people. A centimeter is tiny. Mm -hmm. If it's bigger than that, it probably doesn't want your wool. It probably is looking for your houseplants and wants to eat those instead. No! (laughs) That's a different problem. Not my, (laughs) my personal fear. So we will, in addition to other links in the show notes, we're actually going to put a link in the show notes to a Google image search result set of these types of moths. So you can see pictures and feel a little rush of adrenaline and fear and then know that that's your enemy specifically and not like a beautiful luna moth or something else that might be hanging out near you. This feels like a wanted poster. It's like... It is. See this moth? It is enemy moth. Enemy moth. Public enemy. (laughs) Fiber folk enemy number one. To fight the bug, we must understand the bug. Would you like to know more? So, meanwhile, all the plant people are like, wait, what? (laughs) I mean, I can't help you there, friends. I don't know which moths want to eat what plants, but I can tell you your woolens are safe from most moths, just not these two moths. Other thing I learned is that the moths, the fully formed flying creatures, aren't what's eating our hand knits and our fleeces and our yarn. It's their larvae. Larva? Larva. (laughs) (laughs) It's the baby moths. And it's bad news. You don't want them setting up house and making moth families in your wool. So there are ways to avoid this. First of all, moths are attracted to warm, dark, humid, and kind of dirty places. So you need to keep the area where you store your wool clean. If you have a closet where all of your wool things go and you hang a bunch of cedar, it doesn't matter if you haven't vacuumed it in three years. You need to keep the space vacuumed out. And if you have like finished garments, you need to keep them kind of clean because our skin leaves oils and cells and all sorts of things on our finished hand knits. And that is food for these moths too. They're like, this is great. It's time to have a party in your cashmere sweaters. And then you cry because it's too late once you notice. But you can prevent it by keeping those things clean, keeping the space clean. If you're vacuuming in an area where you suspect there may have been moths, vacuum. But then don't just put the vacuum back in the closet. You have to empty out the canister or the vacuum bag. Like You have to get those things out of your house because they can find their ways out of a vacuum. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. So keep your space clean. Keep your knits clean. Things that aren't used frequently, seal them in plastic. Yes, definitely. Because moths aren't magic. They can't get into a Rubbermaid bin if they're not already in there when it's closed up. Button it up, put things in Ziploc containers or like anything that you can enclose if it's going to be stored away needs to be enclosed if you have concerns about moths. We shouldn't all be like wildly paranoid all the time, but some people know that they're more prone to these pests coming into their space and you need to act accordingly to protect your wool. And then things like cedar and lavender are helpful. They can't do it alone, but they're super helpful. Don't use mothballs. Please no. No, no. They're not healthy for you. Yeah. I mean, they're bad for the moths, but they are also not great for you. And also they're very strong smelling. I feel like people use them less frequently now than they did 40 years ago. I also saw that there are things that you can like hang in closets that are like moth pheromone. Oh, interesting. Traps or anti-moth pheromone things. I don't really understand how they work. But I saw them kind of mentioned in passing as I was learning about wool-eating moths, and that might be something to research if all else fails. But I feel like the other options are tried-and-true preventatives. Clean your knits, seal them up, your wool, your fleece, your yarn. Keep them safe in really manageable ways before it's a problem. If you do find that you have an infestation, Mm -hmm. isolate. Isolate your yarn if you can. Freezing it will kill the larvae. Heat will also kill the larvae, but I have a cautionary tale. A friend of mine who lives north had this problem, and she lives in an apartment, so she didn't really have any, like, her freezer's not that big, and she couldn't just put stuff outside because she doesn't have really, like, a yard that's only hers. Mm -hmm. And so she thought, oh, I'm going to put it in the oven and bake it, which will work if there's no acrylic content in your yarn. She melted a whole bunch of her yarn. Because, you know, it's wool, but it had like some small percentage. Right. So some methods work better. (laughs) Right. If you can freeze your yarn, if you think you've got a problem. Right. Unless you're positive that it's 100% wool. Mm -hmm. The the moths aren't going to go after it if it doesn't have wool content. So you're not going to get moths on Red Heart, but you might get moths on your like Barocco that has a tiny bit of acrylic for softness and is gorgeous yarn and will totally melt if you put it in the broiler. I would do a little internet sleuthing, too, to figure out, like, what the temperature needs to be before you pop something in the oven. Probably doesn't need to be like you're cooking a pizza. (laughs) Probably lower temperature than that will be sufficient. If there's acrylic in the yarn, it's going to be a lot like you're cooking a pizza. Uh, Yuck. (laughs) Oh, no. No, no, no. Yeah, and just kind of keeping an eye on stuff. And time is fake, and like you put stuff up for the summer, and it's just up for the summer. But better to catch a problem early than late. Absolutely. So, Roberta, keep doing what you're doing. And also, don't panic about every moth you see. Can I tell one more story? I love stories. Tell more stories. So, when we were picking up the kiviet for the shop, Mm -hmm. we got it from a place in Nunavut which is about as north as land goes. And so we spent a lot of time like researching this place because we want to know everything. Like basically, if there's a muskox involved, I want to know about it. And it is cold in the Arctic Circle. And they were talking about how they stopped storing their fiber in freezers because they started storing it outside. 
of course you could just store it outside. If you live somewhere cold where it is like freezing overnight, like Roberta stores her fiber and her yarn in a sub-zero situation in a shed, that is safe. Sure is. No moth is out in that. <laughs> it wants to be in your closet. In your <laughs> right, right, right. It wants to be warm, like you. Mm-hmm. Get your knits ready, friends. <laughs> the season is upon us. Speaking of knits, our Jesse made along knit along has ended. Go to the Instagram, see the posts about that because we posted the winner. The next one, next knit along for the podcast will not happen until November. We want to give folks a little bit of a break, time to knit a Rhinebeck sweater if they want to knit a Rhinebeck sweater, even if they're not going. It's still fun. And so keep an eye out for that. Fall is busy. Time is precious. Right. Oh, oh other fall things. It's our birthday. It's a birthday. So we don't do like a shop anniversary. We throw ourselves a birthday party because that's more fun. And we're going to be five. It's crazy. I think this episode is going to post on September 7th. Mm -hmm. Our birthday is September 17th, 18th, 19th, that weekend. It's going to be so good. Yeah, we're doing, um, we do swag bags and kind of fun stuff. So you can check that out. On the Scratch Supply Co. website or Instagram. Yes. The details are there. We hope you'll join us. It's going to be a good time. Oh, and we have some podcast news too. So we are going to be moving where we record our podcast, which is not really of interest. Like, you guys don't need to know where we record our podcast, but can we tell you the situation? Keep your eye on our Instagram grid because we'll put up a little video showing you where we've been, where the magic has happened. <laughs> Up till this point. Because I think, is this the last episode we're recording here? Probably. Yes. Yeah. Aw. <laughs> Aw. Weird little room. As you know, right, this was a pandemic project for us. Like, we started doing this as a way to connect with folks during COVID shutdown. It's hard to record in a retail store. Even if we're closed, people, if they see you inside, they think you're open, they're knocking on the door, whatever. So we were able to find kind of like a corner of space upstairs in our building, which was miraculous. But but this is not our forever home. It was never meant to be our forever home, but we now have a forever home. So we're moving, which is super exciting. It's not far, and really it's like two microphones. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to set up a new table. But really, it's the table. We need a new table. Since we knew we weren't staying here, we didn't want to put anything on the walls. We are going to try to get ourselves some kind of like acoustic sound dampening stuff so that we don't have to record super early in the morning to avoid awesome things happening in the restaurant. So that said, almost a year into this project that seems to have no end, we're just going to keep <laughs> doing this. You're stuck with us now. We have started a Patreon. So if you like what we're doing and you want to support us and you also maybe want to see pictures of our dogs or other additional content like sneak peeks at new things we have coming to scratch or secret projects or things that we can't appropriately express to you in an audio-only environment, you have the opportunity to engage with us there and support us and help us continue doing this. We don't really want to like clutter up the podcast with ads. We don't want to have episodes that are behind a paywall, anything like that. It really is genuinely just extra good stuff, things that we are excited about. We feel really strongly about this being accessible to everybody. Mm-hmm. Check it out. And if financially you can't or don't want to help, that's cool. Keep listening to us. But we would appreciate it if you could share information about the podcast so other knitters know and, and we can keep doing what we like doing. 
which is this talking to you. And you can find us anywhere you get your audio podcasts. Rate and review us. That will help other knitters find us. It's an easy thing to do. You can send us emails at dearscratch at scratchsupplyco.com. And follow us on Instagram, ye oldie gram. We're <laughs> at makegoodpod. It's fun. You should be there with us. We'll talk to you next week from our brand new space. Oh, wow. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.